0: Before we get started, we wanted to talk to you about a wonderful podcast that we want to promote. Um, It's called King of the World, hosted by Shah Jahan Khan who has a really amazing, compelling story. You know how much we love retelling stories. Nothing is better than telling the story from someone's own perspective in their own words. And that's exactly what this podcast is.
1: It follows Shah Jahan's journey through addiction, identity, and creativity, and especially what it means to belong as a Muslim in America in the 20 years after 9-11. It's really incredible. I can't recommend it
0: enough. So please go out, listen to King of the World, a seven-part podcast hosted by Shah Jahan Khan. You won't regret it, but go ahead and download it. Yeah, subscribe today. Subscribe now and start listening today. All right, back to our nonsense podcast.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Have you been watching Only Murders in the
0: Building? No, I've been watching so many good shows and I can't wait. I've been hearing such good things about that show. You know what it's about, right? Yes, it's about us. Steve Martin
1: and, and Martin, Martin Short as doing a murder podcast.
0: I mean, come on,
1: could there be who anything would be who between us and them like who's who? I'm Steve Martin, obviously, right do you
0: think am I Martin short? I kind of wanted to be Martin short. I think you're Martin short because he's like um a little bit like yeah unhinged <laughs> yeah. and he's <laughs> well, and he's like into musicals Steve Martin kind of is a great straight man, yes, he's a great t- Martin short is the is the crazy one. Yeah. Do you Easy think or. you're a straight man and I'm a crazy one? Ooh, really good question. I think we both straight man each other pretty easily, pretty well. Yeah, but that's not funny. Two straight men? Well, like, we, we we change positions. Truly. Really?
1: By the way, you guys, I know oh, everybody I'm so excited. is talking about the Lula Rich docuseries mm-hmm. on Amazon. Um, it's a pretty wild ride. Carrie and I have decided we're going to go on that ride together. Mm. We're going to watch the docuseries together. And then we're going to record our reactions to it and give a little... Uh, a little, a, just a little discussion. We're going to do a, a book discussion. Club discussion. We're going to
0: have wine, and feel free to grab some wine, join Patreon, and join us. Yeah, we're going to release um, that sometime next month,
1: and the Patreon episodes, and, or this month, I guess. No, because it's the end of October. We're going to, right now, we're going to release it. In November, in November. We, there will be an episode on Patreon with Carrie and I unpacking the LuLaRoe, LuLaRich situation.
0: Ugly, it's gonna, Here's a little sneak preview, preview. Ugly clothes, crimes against women, crimes against humanity, drama, MLMs. Ugly clothes. Cult. Ugly crying. <laughs> <laughs> ugly. Cult. Faces. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. It's, it's going to be great. Also, Quinn, did you know in two episodes, it's going to be our hundred episode? No. We're what about to we celebrate do? what do we do? by the way, we've what hit over what should we do. Listen, Patreon. Listen, you hit over a hundred a while ago. We've been recording Patreon so we've been we're over a hundred on including Patreons. But these are our main episodes. We're almost over a hundred. Should we do something fun and spectacular? Yeah, like what? Yeah, what should we do? What should we do? What would make it special? What would make it special for you? But more importantly, what would make it special for us? us. By the way, you're listening to Truly. Darkly. Creeply. Creeply. That's
1: Carrie Ipema.
0: And that's Quinlan
1: Posner. Speaking of special, I want to thank Patreon subscriber, Julianne, Julianne, Julianne. Calling Julianne, Julianne, Julianne. Julian, Julian,
0: you Patreon. have two names. You've
1: got two names because you're better than one. You
0: are better than uh-huh. one that's person. Right. I only have one, one name. As Don't as do as me two. dirty like that. Okay. Julianne, yeah. you can be great. I can be great, too. But Julianne, you have two names. Little <laughs> a
1: little greedy. Talking about greedy, guess who has two Ks in their name? <gasps> New Patreon subscriber Nikki. Double K. Double K. Nikki K, with a Nikki. double K. Nikki with a double K. <laughs> Nikki with a double K. Okay, we'll go back and do that one again. No, Nikki had... Nikki with two K's in your name. Nikki Nikki, Nikki with talk in your brain. Nikki Nikki, you are not a pain. You're the opposite of that. You're a pleasure. You're a pleasure.
0: <laughs> oh, by the way, PSA team. Guess what I did yesterday? Tell me. Got a flu shot, baby.
1: Oh, can't wait to get a flu and shot. And I feel
0: because I do it, I feel better than everybody because I did it before everybody. You know what? I often think of you
1: as my friend that's better than everybody.
0: <gasps> who still can't find love. It's because you're t- <laughs> <laughs> you looking for love in all the wrong places. You know where you might be able to find someone? Uh, who? My. Uh, who? <laughs> I don't, Somebody, I don't understand. Somebody. Somebody. You know where you can find someone? Who? so <laughs> <laughs> <It's hilarious. laughs> well, Let me
1: start here. My father in law sent me um, eligible a Guardian article about a Facebook group <gasps> that he thinks I should join that is a spooky dolls group. <laughs> and they have really serious <laughs> Facebook rules where you're only allowed to post for one hour of the day. Like, you're only allowed to be active on their page. They're like, from whatever. 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock, you can post your spooky doll pictures and talk about spooky dolls for on the on that hour and never outside that hour or you're going to get haunted by a spooky doll. Love. And I really, really like that. And I like the restraint. And I like the kind of people that like an hour of their life where they might get into some spooky dolls.
0: <laughs> Speaking of Facebook groups... There's one that was, like, a group where we all pretend we're ants. Have you mm-hmm. heard about this? Yes. Did I tell you about this? Yes. I might have. Where? You did. <laughs> a question- it sounds great. There's a questionnaire to begin did with. Do some queen. It was- you can't. It's like, oh. what do you do it for? The queen. Like, you just have to respond everything. And it's like, <laughs> it, someone posts, like, food. And they go, follow, follow. Like, everybody just <laughs> responds, like, follow, 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 follow. Queen. Follow, follow, follow. It's oh my god! The funniest. I bit. Really like that. It's really funny. I like it's really doing strange. A group bit. It's a group bit that literally, and you have to like apply to be a part of this group and use your answers as an ant. So it's it's really a bit where like what is the fucking point? Right. Kind of love it. You know how the podcast is truly darkly
1: creeply, starring Carrie Puma, starring Quinn the and didn't starring... we really do that? <laughs> yeah, I think we did. You know, you gotta double down sometimes because um some people may have just tuned in
0: because <laughs> <laughs> we're not because we're on the radio. <laughs> yes, <yeah. laughs> Well, I think I just...
1: Here's the thing. I wanted to (laughs) tell you, you know how the light sometimes flickers and we are doing a scary story when it happens and we get haunted feeling and afraid? Yes. Well, we had a a major issue this last week and Con Ed ended up coming to the house (gasps) and they were like, by the way, your power line completely went out. One of them underground where we have to repair it and it's this big thing. And they, they were like, it's been degrading. For a long time. And that was why all the lights in this house do a ghost flicker. So now they're repairing it and there'll be no more ghost flickers, which is exciting because it means that if we now see a flicker, it is a ghost. And before it was not. But because this this
0: podcast is about true things, I wanted to let you know the truth. Wait, but what if it's still a ghost who's been under the house degrading the power line? (laughs) Oh my God, (laughs) listen... You know, when
1: Koa and I went to get the burritos today,
0: What happened?
1: we were walking down the street and a little girl, maybe his age, made a, walked out of her house by herself and made kind of a weird noise. And we turned and we saw this little girl, no parents around. And Koa turned to me and goes, mama, is that a haunted kid? (gasps) And I was like, what do you mean? And he goes, is that a haunted kid? And I was like, I think so, Koa. I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm sure of it. Um, because I was like, what roller coaster ride are we going on? But I, I saw this kid and was like, is that a haunted kid? And then the mom walked out of the house with the stroller a few minutes later. And Koa goes, oh, it's, mom, it's not a haunted kid. <laughs> <laughs> but I think he thought we were seeing a ghost. Because it's like, why would you ever see a what little a kid all alone? It's obviously a
0: ghost, was like what
1: his brain did.
0: I love that. Don't you? I babysat a kid who... Would constantly being like it's a ghost over there, and it was because someone had said when a swing was moving, he was like ah oh, it's a ghost. Someone was like oh it's a ghost, and he's like what's a ghost? And then he became obsessed with the joke. So he'd be like there's a ghost in the other room, and coming from a kid, it's just a lot to handle. Koa has been pretending
1: to see ghosts at school with another little boy at his school. And his teacher... And the little boy in school never... You realize that there was never, never another little, little boy. boy in school. Well, no, Koa said me and... I'll change his name. Me and Sammy uh, always pretend to see ghosts. He told me this after the teacher told me. The teacher t- told me, just so you know, Koa and Sammy told me today that there was a ghost in front of them in line at the bathroom and that he was from Hawaii. And I believe in that stuff. And I believe kids can see ghosts. This is Koa's preschool teacher. And I was like, great. Um yeah, me too. And she's like, but then later they told me that they were just kidding me. And I, I, I was like, I got a feeling she was kind of disappointed. Did you then plug
0: our web or did you plug our podcast? No. I hope that's a listener we don't have. Yeah. Let's you can you can tune out. You can tune out. Yeah. Wild. Hey, are you interested in creating your own podcast? Or do you know anyone who's interested in creating their own podcast? Or do you have your own podcast? If so, please let us know. But also, you should totally sign up for PodMove Daily. It is this free, wonderful newsletter that comes out every day. And it's... For you, if you're a podcaster, if you're in the podcasting industry, or, or even you want if you're to, like, I know there if was you're a few podcast curious, where I was, yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. <laughs> if you're pod curious, this is the newsletter for you because I know that when Carrie and I were getting started, we I started. Knew and still know nothing? We knew nothing and we still have managed to retain that nothing. level of information. But what I loved about getting the Pod Move Daily. Newsletter is that it made me feel connected to the podcasting community and it was a really good resource for asking questions that I felt like I was embarrassed to ask or felt dumb and it kind of brought me into the community in a way where I was like you know what I think we can do this and surprise surprise we're still here we're still here we haven't left and if we haven't turned you off to starting your own
0: podcast you should sign up for pod move newsletter which you can go to at podcastmovement.com slash tdc which is our own personal landing page for you to sign up
1: yeah incredible
0: so sign up for pod move
1: sign up today what are you waiting for
0: oh my god i can say this And Quinn can't because she's too shy and it's promoting her own. So shy. She's so shy. This is a show that Quinn fucking wrote and I just did last Monday. And it is so fucking fun. It is called Beyond Beverly. It is an online immersive theatrical experience. It's a little spooky. It's a little scary. It's really fun. It's mysterious. It's online. You go to purplecranimmersive.com. Beverly Lills
1: disappeared weeks ago, but her friends and family think they might be getting messages from her. From beyond the grave, is she trapped between this world and the next? And can you catch the killer? these are the questions that keep me up at night. No, they don't. I wrote it. I know how it ends. I, it's not a <laughs> cliffhanger for me, folks. Beyond Beverly is a paranormal mystery, and it's a 60 minute puzzle hunt online that you do virtually with your company. If your office is looking for a fun little event, event super fun, give it a whirl. And if you mention that you heard about it on Truly Darkly Creeply, we're going to give you a 10% discount for your team.
0: You won't regret it. Or will
1: you. Dun, dun, dun.
0: I think it's my turn to start.
1: Yeah, please do. Mine's quite long, so get going.
0: This was from a Netflix documentary short that I watched. Mm-hmm. Um, have you, did you ever see Longshot? No. Have you heard about it? Juan Catalan? Juan Catalan?
1: Mm, no.
0: When I tell it, you might have heard of it it's an incredible story I'm obsessed with it so I got this information from Longshot on Netflix Grunge.com Distracting Nine Now ABC News Mental Floss Your Daily Hunt Juan Ignacio Catalan is born in Los Angeles he lives out in the suburbs which by the way let's be clear Los Angeles is a bunch of suburbs unless I haven't said it before it's how I feel about LA it's just a bunch of suburbs
1: Carrie loves to hate on LA
0: I kind of feel bad about hating on LA is that your foot? yeah Quinn, <laughs> is that scary? That was scary because you look so. Are you how fucking tall are you? Jesus, you like really like that looks arguably really fucking far. I'm five three. Yeah, you shouldn't be reaching that. Okay, maybe because you're leaning back. That's alarming.
1: I look really relaxed <laughs> like this while it's happening. I
0: was like, did you see me? What what is it? Well, Gary? Also, cause Koa fucking scared me as well today too. He was hiding behind the curtain that came in here and he was like, ah! <laughs> he's
2: so good. He was he
0: really uh, got me. It I like scared that me. Guy. So, um, Juan um, has an older brother who is not involved in is making some bad decisions and stealing things and like, you know, sometimes Juan drives and his brother Mario like goes out and like breaks into people's cars, takes some shit. So Juan has seen the inside of a jail cell. So he has a previous conviction for theft, right? So like, not not great. It's August 12th, 2003. And Juan's going into um, his father's shop. He's a machinist. And the night before, he had had some dreams about aliens and being abducted, which was just interesting. And he's walking into this shop and he gets out of his car and all of a sudden a gun is pulled on him and 30 seconds later the whole SWAT team of the police are on him they take him they put him face down on the asphalt they arrest him he's going what's going on what's going on his dad peeps his head out of his shop and he sees his son getting arrested his girlfriend is with him is like what's happening what's going on Nobody is telling him anything. He is arrested and taken into the police station. He sits down and they're like, want to tell us anything? You know, police tactic number one. And he's like, I don't know what's going on. Can you tell me why I'm here? Mm -hmm. And they're like, Oh, Martha Pueblo. And he's like, who, what? On May 12th, 2003, this was three months before Martha Pueblo Was in her home in San Fernando Valley, California. She's 16 years old. At 10 p.m., she leaves her house to see a friend who she knows, and there's a Chevy Malibu circling the block. Someone calls out to her and is like, Hey, Martha, you know me. And she's like, Yeah, I know you. And they're like, No, you don't. They shoot her point blank, execution style, shoot her dead. What the fuck? There's an eyewitness who sees what happens, has a phone in his hand, drops the phone, runs the fuck away. Whoa. The police go on the scene of the crime. The eyewitness gives like a pretty basic version. Shitty description of what it is. It kind of looks like Juan Catalan. They look at his picture and they also try to find motive. Martha Pueblo was a witness in another crime and had just testified at a trial where the co-defendant is Mario Catalan, Juan's brother. Mm -hmm. So the police have decided that Juan Catalan had motive Mm -hmm. to kill Martha Pueblo. They arrest Juan. He is getting interrogated. And the police have a picture of a bunch of mugshots. They have his picture circled. They said, you killed Martha Pueblo. Where were you? March 12th, 2003, which is three months prior. And on the recording, Juan is going, well, once I, once I tell you, I don't remember, but like, once I tell you where, like, this will get cleared up. There's no way I did it. I wouldn't hurt anyone. I would never do this. Right. This wasn't me. I believe him. (laughs) Well, then the story is over. He even offers to take a lie detector They refuse. They're like, it's not a baby
1: shower. They're like,
0: it's not a baby shower. Because here's the thing. If you offer, and that's, I think too, is if they offered a lie detector, it'd be one thing. But I think when the, the criminals, like I would take, or not the criminal, I'm sorry. When the accused is like, I'll take a lie detector. They're like, oh, this actually isn't going to (laughs) work. You know what I mean? They want to get you caught. Pass on that. So he's charged with murder and the prosecutor on the case is known as the sniper. She's never lost a murder case.
1: Cool nickname.
0: She also likes to use the death penalty, and the death penalty Mm. is floated around for this killing. So Juan is like, what the fuck is going on? His cousin tells him about this defense attorney. His name is Todd Melnick. And so he meets with Juan, and he's talking to him. He's like, where were you? Let's figure this out. Todd uh, is like, we got to find an alibi. Let's start there. So he's like, where were you in May 12th? And Juan's girlfriend was like, "Hey, that's Mother's Day weekend. Weren't you at the Dodgers game that day?" Mm. And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was at the Dodgers game. Yeah." And they're like, and "I'm on the mega TV giving my girlfriend a kiss. <laughs> totally. Well, his girlfriend please. didn't come. What happened was, is he bought the tickets for his mother um, for Mother's Day, knowing she wouldn't go, so that he could go <gasps> himself." <What a> dick. <laughs> All right. Guilty of being a dick. Guilty of being a dick, but I kind of like Perhaps love it, a but it's really a, it's good thing. So he, so he ended up not taking his mother, but he took his cousin, a friend and his six year old daughter went with him to the mm-hmm. game. And so he's like, Oh, it's done. Like I have an alibi. And they're like, no, you need to prove that you were at the game. And he was like, okay, so he's in jail, sitting in jail. His girlfriend is looking through his apartment or through his house, looking for the Dodgers tickets. They find him in an envelope, and they come in, and that's not good enough. Of course it's not. I mean, that makes sense. It's not. No one's name is on that. You can't just be like... You can't prove like, that like, you're Like, here's there. a movie ticket. Like, it doesn't work that way. He got the tickets from a season ticket holder, so he didn't, like, purchase it on a credit card or anything. He didn't... He While he bought food and baseball cards at the game, he didn't use a credit card, so he only used cash they need witnesses so they need witnesses right so todd his lawyer goes to dodger stadium looks at his seat and is like do you have any footage like from the mega cam and from any sort of tv thing so he's going around and he's like looking at he's painstakingly like going through hours of footage slow motion because he knows where this guy is sitting and he's like all right if i can see him like he finds a grainy grainy image of him at the game but the resolution isn't high enough
1: yeah you can't tell it's him so you can't
0: fucking tell it's him he's looking at people around him and he's calling them and they're in hawaii and they're in brooklyn like they're all over the world and he's just trying to get someone who would feel comfortable testifying in court that they saw this guy there of course it's his cousin and his um friend who aren't reliable witnesses and his six-year-old daughter right so it's really fucking hard so then Juan, by the way, just to keep put this into perspective, at the game there were fifty-eight thousand people there. Right.
2: Paid and if fans you asked me if you
0: called me and you were like, who did who you see by? at the game? Forget no way. it. Paid fans in the stands, twenty seven thousand four hundred and fifty eight. Forget about it. Fuck. Forget, forget about it. it. So he's, like, looking, painstakingly out all this stuff. He can't find any proof. He paid all cash. Note to self. Always use credit card. Get a timestamp wherever the fuck you are. Please. So he's looking at the game, looking at the game. He looks at Dodger's vision, which is, like, the grainy, what plays on the Megatron, to your point. And then Juan is, like, you know what? When I was there, I think they were filming something. And they were, like, what? So Todd, his lawyer, goes to the Dodgers and is, like, hey... They mentioned there was like a filming happening at Dodger Stadium. Can you look it up? And the guy takes out his calendar and he flips to a page and it's a bunch of blank pages. And then it gets to May 12th and he sees this like obscure production company and a phone number. So Todd calls it and it's HBO. It's the show Curb Your Enthusiasm. Shut the fuck up. So Curb Your Enthusiasm. Which I love. Which I love. Way. Do you know the episode The Carpooling? Yes. Where Larry David has tickets to the Dodgers game and he's put stuck the, in traffic. Put so the we, dummy in the car. He gets a sex worker. He pays a sex worker to get in the car so he can go to the JK. game and use the carpooling. And they want to shoot at Dodgers Stadium because it's L.A. And now they didn't want to rent out the whole stadium you know, and hire thousands of extras. So what he you do is they contact the Dodgers and they're like, you can film during the game. So they had, they shot in two places. They shot in the upper deck. so like bad seats and they had cameras, long shot cameras and the people around them probably didn't realize they were filming. Right. But they had like them in the stands and then Larry David, uh, Larry David spots a friend of his in better seats and tries to go down and get a better seat. Okay. Right. So, when they're shooting this coverage, right? They have to hold, a PA is in charge of holding people back from their seats. Now you can't really hold people back from their seats because they they're for actually paying. Seats. Yeah. They're yeah. paying customers. So they shoot up in the upper deck section and they also start shooting in the section that Juan is in. And so a PA is sitting there holding people back. Juan's daughter was like, I want ice cream or something. So he goes up and gets her some, concession snacks and he's trying to go back to his seat and there's a PA stopping him from going back to his seat he's like this
1: ice cream's gonna melt
0: this ice cream's gonna melt it's like and the PA is like I knew, I think they knew they were shooting or I didn't know or I was a shitty PA but I just like let him pass and on the footage the b-roll
1: is Juan is walking Juan by with his ice and cream his
0: daughter walking down And going to sit down, and you see the back of it, and you see his side profile, and it is clearly Juan Catalan. And you see Larry David passing him. Oh my god, I love this. They have footage of him at the game. So he gets off? Unfortunately, the prosecutor doesn't take this as enough evidence. Shut up. The timestamp on the film is 8.55 was the first shot, and 9.15 was the last shot. The murder takes place at 1032. So theoretically, there's enough time to leave, the game, to in leave the, middle. the game and go and do this. And he's like, I was at the game. They have the footage of me like I was there. I didn't lie. Like I was at the fucking game. I was telling the truth. And they're like, OK, well, we need to figure out how else we can prove how long you were at the game. Fortunately, his girlfriend had called them at 1015 and they were able to ping cell phone towers and the cell phone tower that it went to was within a mile radius of the stadium. And they were able to put him there. But even that, he was still at the preliminary This is all at the preliminary trial hearing, right? To see if the case was going to move forward. Mm-hmm. The most heartbreaking moment was his daughter took the stand to testify that she was at the game. And Juan is bawling his eyes out. He's seeing his little girl... She went to a baseball game with her dad and he's like, please let this exonerate me so I can be with my fucking daughter so I can be a dad to my daughter. And also the death penalty is on the line. So like it's a life or death fucking situation. And also to compound the most heartbreaking thing is you have Martha Pueblo's family who is there, who the police have told that this is the guy that killed her. And so they're sitting there watching this pretrial hearing.
1: Oh, I just feel for everybody. The
0: only evidence they have against Juan
1: Mm -hmm.
0: is a single eyewitness ID.
1: Right. And not a reliable one at that.
0: He's a credible source. However, I'm sure he's not trying to residential block. Right. Like how the fuck can you tell what you saw? Like, I think the power, like I saw a guy with the mustache. He was Hispanic. He was short. He was, like, had a little unshaped. And then if they show you something like that, you're like, oh, yeah, that's it. I mean, how do you- No, absolutely not. So the judge hears all this information, and she's like, I don't know. I'm really stuck. I have Martha Pueblo's family who's seeking justice. Mm-hmm. And I have this guy who the death penalty is on the line. So she takes his police interview, and she starts listening to it at home. She gets her family to listen to it, her kids to listen to it, being like, is this... Does this sound like a guilty person? <laughs> Which feels, I don't know feels what illegal, the ethics of okay. that is. I don't know. I don't know if I out. agree. I didn't understand I'm that. I'm just like, huh, that's but interesting. But she didn't in know her, you could outsource that. But. He was in jail for six months, six months while this was all going down. He, an innocent man in jail for six months. She says, I understand you have a credible source, an eyewitness, but it is a dark residential block. I can't I can't say that's enough no. evidence. All right. And it's over. He is released. He gives his lawyer the biggest hug. They're still friends to this day. He sues the city. He's awarded a three hundred twenty thousand dollars settlement, which if you think about it isn't fucking enough because I'm sure he used that settlement to pay for his defense attorney the fees. They yeah,
1: just broke even.
0: And he had to pay out the people who fought for a settlement. He just made even. Yeah, yeah. And lost six months of his life. And lost six months of his life. When he was released, he said all he wanted was a Coke. He was like... Somebody get that man a Coke. Get that man a fucking soda pop. And you might be asking about Martha, rightfully so. It was found out that Martha was murdered by four gang members. I knew um, it was fucking gang violence. uh, I think it's Raoul. Because when it's random like that... Because she, what happened was is she was a witness to their crime. Oh, really? And she was cooperating with the police. <sighs> she had witnessed a crime and, yeah.
2: Poor. And
0: Angie. what's crazy about it is, like, Juan went to the hearing for his brother, Mario. Yeah. And he remembers seeing Martha testify. And he was like, I just thought she was, like, a, a witness. And she said she didn't see anything. Like, he's like, I didn't think anything more. Yeah. And because of that connection, he was tried. He was, Yeesh. he was... He got roped into this, roped in this whole yeah. fucking mess. So the actual murder of Martha Pueblo was put away for her murder. So justice was served in her death, thank God. Oh, that's good. In 2017, Juan got his associate's degree in general education, and he hopes to pursue a bachelor in business. He does have a GoFundMe page organized by Todd, his lawyer, in the hopes that he can make some money because he's struggling because he basically may even in a settlement. He's obviously a big fan of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah, what does Larry David have to say about all this? Larry David was interviewed in the long shot, and he was like, you know, it comes up every couple of years, you know, people ask me about it, he's like, I'll tell it to a date, but it's, you know, I'll tell it to a date to impress, you know, he's like, it's a, he said afterwards, he was like, yeah, and he was on the tape, pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> pretty, 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 cool. <laughs> um, yeah, he had... Uh, but he's like, yeah, it was a, it's cool. So like a lot of the, it became a really um, exciting case because it's like, oh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, exonerated, helped exonerate this man who was wrongfully convicted. A comedian saves the day again. <laughs> again, for the umpteenth time. Both the detectives, Juan Rodriguez and Martin Pinner, admitted that they tried to coerce a false confession out of Catalan, including having his picture circled. Like they just showed him his picture circled. in order to like tell them that's the evidence that they have which like here's the thing it's not right but also i bet they've gotten a lot of guilty people that way right like if they i don't know i don't know i don't know but like how do you anyway yeah it is it is uh it's a crazy case and they were the two detectives were later removed from homicide cases so they were they were taken off, thank God. Because like that you can't do that. You need fucking evidence. It also was crazy that the prosecutor had one eyewitness and that was the evidence that they had. And she was going, Yeah, I'm gonna seek the death penalty. Like what the actual fuck? Show your role. Well, which we just did Julius Jones case a couple weeks ago, and you realize that like death penalty and maybe this is a hot take, but I gotta say I mean we, we've talked about the death penalty a lot but like i always feel like the death penalty should be reserved for serial killers and people who are people that hurt children past is people where who I'm like, children oh you hurt a kid yeah or people who Get are past redemption right like people who show no remorse people who ha- but like in this case he he killed one it, tragically a woman died it just to me i'm like i, I thought the death penalty was reserved for serial killers or serial rapists. You no. know what I mean? Like, that's what I just assumed, and that's just inaccurate. It's
1: an equal opportunity, death or t- death
0: or um Juan forgives the police, which I think it takes a really big man to do it. The Innocence Project claims that 20,000 people are falsely convicted of crimes, which is about 1% of the prison population, which is super fucking common. And then I do want to close with this one story, personal anecdote. It is how my dad yelled at Larry David. Please. In real life. My dad's a golfer. So is Larry David. Larry David was golfing ahead of my dad at a golf course. He was taking so fucking long. <laughs> uh-huh. And he was with, I think, the owner of the Patriots or something. Like, it was a bunch of entitled white men who were taking their sweet-ass time on the golf course. And tr- typically in golf, is like... You're conscientious of the people behind you, you know? It's like, if someone is moving fast, you just let them pass. Like, it's no big deal. But, like, at the rate of play, you just, like, keep going, keep going, so that nobody is stuck behind a slow player. It's just the common courtesy. But these guys were all fucking rich people, and they were taking their sweet-ass time and not letting anyone pass them. And so my dad saw him at the clubhouse after and he went up to him and he said, I don't care how fucking rich you are. Next time, buy out the golf course instead of going that slow. Walked away. And the funny thing is, as I was watching Curb Your Enthusiasm, and there's a scene where Larry David is bitching about someone going super slow in front of him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I like to think that Larry that was David, his therapy. that was him
0: working that was through, him working, through like with your dad. I like to think that uh, Larry David, um, based in uh, a scene of Curb Your Enthusiasm, after my dad. I believe it. And that's my Larry David story, and that's the true crime Larry David story. I love it. Good. Do you love looking at Hollywood's past, present, and future? Do you love special
1: guests, trivia, listener feedback, and ka ka ka?
0: Like, Ooh, i think you do i think you guys like i think comedy. you actually do. i'm gonna go ahead and say so we want to tell you about rico and the man and the only the best way to tell you about rico and the man is have them tell you about rico and the man
1: we think you should download and listen to it wherever you get your
0: wherever you listen to podcasts yeah wherever that
2: happens these days everyone in their cat has a podcast about the entertainment industry <whistles> But few shows have as much fun doing it as Rico and the Man with Rob Tragler and Peter Martino. Well, 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 look at Podcast Boy. Looks <laughs> like he got a new toy. Yes, New Jersey meets California in this bi-coastal, hilarious show uh-huh. where two old college buddies take shots at all things entertainment. Dave Batista's all like, I was never asked to do it. Well, maybe he would have been asked to do it if he wasn't such a pain in the ass. With special guests, trivia, listener feedback, and comedy, Bits. Scarlet which is a Scarlet Bit. Okay. Oh, no. wow. Rob Robin Peter invite you to laugh along as they praise Pummel and pick apart show business.
0: The Nirvana baby is suing. Ugh. Is he not getting girls because of the penis in the picture?
2: <laughs> Rico and the Man available on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and more. <laughs>
0: Dear readers, we've said it once,
2: we'll say, say it, it
0: before, before. City, City
1: of Ghosts, Ghosts is out. It's out, it released, and now they're going to keep releasing them because that's Cause what that's podcasts, podcasts, do. podcasts
0: do. Yeah, just, they just stop at one to two. <laughs> it's you know enough.
1: what? <laughs> we've got enough, we're leaving. Um, they are a supernatural, neo-noir, mystery podcast set in New York City, we think you're going to love this mystery podcast. I'm sorry, we know you're going to love this mystery podcast. We would bet our life on it.
0: We would bet our life on it? That's super aggressive. It was really aggressive. Here's the thing. We all know you love true crime.
1: How about fictional crime told in a succinct, organized way? Unlike this podcast. It's unlike yet like us. You know what? It's got all We're our the highest Vendai highs High. and none of our lowest lows. <laughs> it's all roses and no thorn. Go listen to City of Ghosts. In fact, here's a little sneak, a peek. I believe they're called the trailer. Can you hear me? It's
0: 1999, New York City.
2: Where am I? Who are you? Uh, Shut up!
0: Bridget Lundy Payne stars in a new supernatural neo-noir audio drama. The voices, they're back. City of Ghosts. I understand this is beyond your usual scope. So, two deaths and an attempted third.
2: Must mean we're onto something big. Men like them have fortresses built around them. Uh-huh. What good does sticking your neck out do, especially in this city? Still, just be careful. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Do be well, Eleanor. <laughs>
1: Can I ask you something, Carrie? Of course. Actually, can can I actually tell you something? I prefer to tell you. Tell me. Do you know that one in five women will in their lifetime be raped? All I'm trying to say is yeah. trust your blank. Here's what you can do. You can talk to your sons, make them not be rapists. You can talk to your daughters. You can also buy your daughters a birdie. <laughs> And I recommend doing that because yeah. um, you just fucking pull it. It's a siren. It's a fucking strobe light. And you, t- I've tested mine. It's fucking loud. Yeah, you can, you can um, even just pull it when you want extra attention at the grocery store or something.
0: Oh, fun! Or the park. Or if you're, or if someone's like, I can't find you, just pull it, and it'll make a loud noise, and they'll be able to find you. But
1: before you get one, if you're gonna get one, I recommend using the discount code TDC10, T-D-C-10 10. for ten percent off. Please do. do. Um, my story is... I don't want to tell you the name of the story because I wouldn't even know what to name it. But I'm going to have to tell you the name of the story because I read a really Cause good book. Because you're about book. to tell
0: me? Well, no. I, this is
1: the book one. This is the book one. I read a book... Oh,
0: Quinn. Did a deep dive. I it like,
1: was in my parents' house, you guys. And they have all these um, amazing, older-looking, 80s-vibe covers, uh, crime books, and... I found this one about a true crime and read it, and I'm going to bring the story to you. But you know what? Maybe Hmm. I'll just say, no, fuck it. I'll just, I'll credit where credit is due. The name of the book is The CBS Murders, and it's by Richard Hammer. Mm. And um, I read a few other little things on Wikipedia, but credit where credit's due. Thank you, Richard Hammer, for your book. Let's enter 1982, the year of, that is. AD. 82. Donald Nash is... I'm sorry.
0: I said AD is an after death. <laughs> oh, AD. AD. Um, no, You no. said AT. Yes. i sorry. And I was I'm like, sorry. no, it's actually... No. BC. BC. I'm sorry, That was so <laughs> stupid. I love that.
1: <laughs> Donald Nash is kind of um, a big burly guy, and he is about 50. He is driving his Chevy. He's nearly blind in one eye. Well, he is driving also really slow, but... It's not because he's blind. It's because he's on his way to do a murder. Okay. And shit's, like, not going as planned already.
0: Right. And don't you hate that? On the way to the murder. It's it's hard when when that happens in a murder.
1: So he's headed to this parking garage. And he's approaching the car of the woman that he's been paid to murder. To kill. Okay. He has been following her for days weeks trying to establish a pattern to understand a pattern and what what is her routine and she got a job about a week ago and so now she's rented a space in this parking garage Okay so too has he usually the car is alone no car to the left of it no car to the right he likes that today he shows up and there's a damn car parked Ugh. to the left of her BMW That's where he wanted to pull in. Yeah.
0: He called dibs. Not ideal. He called dibs.
1: So so he's run out of time though, is what you need to know. And this is going to be his last chance. He's going to prison tomorrow for a different thing we'll talk about later. So he makes a split decision. He pulls in to the right instead. Not ideal. Not by the driver's side door, but he stops his van. He pulls his van sliding door open. Attaches the silencer to his gun and starts to wait. Margaret Barbera, the woman he's been paid to kill, she has suspicions that she's a target.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Her friend and very likely, though not confirmed, her lover met an untimely end recently and she has reason to believe she's going to be next. So what had happened is Jenny Su Chen, the woman that I think Margaret was probably sleeping with... Th- and having some sort of love affair with. She had spent the night at Margaret's, as she often did, on January 5th. And then when she left, two 14-year-olds' eyewitness report is that they saw someone grab her and pull her in a car and drive off. She was never found. Okay? Margaret only knows that these kids saw this because she put flyers up and the kids called her to be like, this is what we saw. The cops think, don't believe it, it, don't believe it for a second, aren't looking, aren't worried. But Margaret's like, this was my partner, basically, and I'm next. So she gets off work at her new job as a bookkeeper at Camera Service Center, which is near this parking garage, which is on West 54th and 12th Avenue in the city.
0: Well, I know where that is.
1: Yes, of course. So she starts to walk to her car. Just so you understand, three blo- three blocks north of where she works is CBS Studios. Yeah. And a bunch of folk just finished work as well. And they also rent a spot at the parking garage. Okay. So Leo Karanuki, Robert Schultz, and Edward Benford, all guys in their 50s, all working for CBS, all park there. So does Angelo Sica, or Sika S-I-C-C-A. He Sica. works there too. Sika. He parks there, too. But this particular night, those three men I first listed are ahead of him. They're walking to the parking garage. They get there first. Angelo sees them up ahead and is like, hey, wait up. But they don't hear him. So he's walking. Picture Angelo's walking at a quite a distance. Mm-hmm. Okay. Margaret Barbera gets to her car, pulls out the keys. When she tries to put the keys in the lock on her door, She's someone's like stuck shit in it. Do you know what I mean? So it's like her key jams. <gasps> and so she's like buttsying with the key, and Donald Nash gets out of the car, shoots her in the head. No. She dies instantly. No. Robert, Leo, and Edward, and even Angelo at this point, are in the lot, and you can hear the gunshot, even though there's a silencer. It's like a yeah. pop noise. And they stop, and they see Margaret fall. Angelo doesn't see it, but the guys that are already closer do. And they see Nash grab her and drag her into the van. And they're kind of, like, nearby going to their cars. And Leo's the closest, so he maybe sees the most. He doesn't understand what's happening. Like, he hasn't registered it. He walks towards what's going on. And Nash walks up to Leo when he sees him and says, You didn't see nothing, did you? And then shoots him. Dead? Robert dead. Robert and Edward see this and are like, fuck. They start to run to their cars. Nash chases both of them down and shoots both of them dead. No. Okay. Angelo at this point has gotten in his car and has seen this and is like frozen in his car scared out of his mind because he watches these guys get killed by Nash. Nash starts to walk back to the van. Angelo's like, turns on his car, fucking like drives the fuck out of the lot. It's one of those gated lots. So he like gets to the ticket person, throws the ticket and yells, the guy behind me just hit three people up on the pier and drives off. The attendant is like, that guy was so weird. What did he mean? Was there a car accident on the pier? When he says hit, he's talking like... Yeah. But the attendants like... Like hit three cars? Like somebody's up there like hitting parked cars? Huh. That's so weird. Meanwhile, the van just drives the fuck out, doesn't give a ticket. And he's like, hey, that was weird. That guy didn't give me his ticket. Huh. Calls security. And he says... Something weird just happened. We go up and check out the pier. Um, unless you think Angelo fucking fled the scene, he drove around scared out of his mind that that van was about to show up was behind him. him. When he realized he wasn't being followed by the van, he drives right back, calls a co worker, and he's like,
0: I just shot you got I just it. saw. He's
1: like, You gotta go to the pier. And they're like, I'm at the pier. We just think we saw a body. And he's like, well, you're about to see three more. So the police show up. They find shell casings. Margaret's shoes are there because he just, like, dra- drug her out of them. Her purse and car keys. They're all on the ground. They talk to Angelo. Angelo's like, I can't, like, <laughs> think. He doesn't give a good description. It's really hard for him not. to give an eyewitness yeah. account of this. He's so fucking. in the
0: most traumatic of cases. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They search Margaret's apartment because she's missing and they find lesbian magazines, which sort of adds some credence to the theory that, that she and Jenny were lovers. maybe more than friends. Yeah. They find her body in an alley. No. And like Cinderella, they put like the missing shoes on her and are like, it's a fit. This is like the woman that was killed in this. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, from Nash's perspective, he didn't notice Angela. So he didn't think there were any eyewitnesses. And he sped off, freaked out, too, because, remember, he went to kill Margaret. And now he just killed three more fucking people. He killed three more people. He goes to Vinnie Russo's catering shop. They've been friends for years, and he has kind of like a makeshift office there. He doesn't have a key, but it's open. And he goes inside, and this mutual acquaintance of he and Vinnie's, Albert Torres, is there. And he's like, hey, hey, and he's really flustered. He's like, I have to call my nephew. Um, And his nephew doesn't pick up and he's talking to Torres and he says to him, I just shot three people. They're all dead, which is really interesting that he says he shot three because he shot four, but he was planning to shoot one of them. So it's like she's completely discounted from the lineup in his head. Um, and he's like, hey, can I keep my van here? And Alberto's kind of like, I don't want to be involved on this level. Yeah. So he's like, um, no. <laughs> Nash, Nash is like, okay, I'm going to leave. He has a body in the van, Margaret's body. And he goes and dumps her in the alley and then goes to meet his nephew. And they do a thing where they basically drive to Newark and he parks the van in long-term parking and gets in a car with his nephew and leave. So the van will be hanging out in long-term parking. Jesus.
0: Is that just like what long-term parking is for? Is just like murder murder vehicles?
1: It's definitely for murder vehicles. It's like, hey,
0: first things first, go to long-term fucking parking.
1: Definitely. I'm going to kind of back up and tell you about the nefarious character, Erwin Margulies. He's an Orthodox Jew that lives in Westchester and he loves golden diamonds. He is gold a gold ju- and diamonds. Gold and diamonds. His two oh, favorite, gold, not and, gold diamonds. and diamonds. I was like, what's
0: a golden diamond? Sounds beauty. Um, look, mine's a gray diamond. I love yours. Raw, raw dog. Raw dog. Raw dog diamond. You got uh, a raw dog I diamond. I got a raw dog diamond, baby. <laughs> um, so he, Irwin's
1: a jewelry salesman, and he wants to be fancy, but he's not. Poor guy. Um, yeah, poor guy. Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so... Just- he likes golden diamonds. He just wants to be fancy. Don't he you just do... want him to succeed oh, already. You know, you're ruined for him. Yeah. Yeah. Like, frankly, you're ruined for the guy. <laughs> he doesn't want much, just golden diamonds. So
1: he gets his main thing, his main like
0: <laughs> What's racket. his deal? Like what's his deal? I'll tell you.
1: He likes to get into partnerships with people, mm-hmm. business partnerships, tries that to get them to give him money up front, and then the money will like go missing. Or, or he'll be like, like let's buy this on f- yeah. He'll be like, let's buy this jewelry. And I'll sell it. And I, obviously, I have to keep the jewelry on Mm -hmm. me because I'm showing it to prospective buyers. And then they'll be like, hey, where's the jewelry? And he's like, hmm. And you're like, what?
0: (laughs) (laughs) So it's that kind of thing. (laughs) Um, And you're like, what? Yeah. Um, Great impression. He he fucks people. He fucks people with money.
1: But every time he gets close to getting, like, busted, he'll be like, no, 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 no. I don't have the jewelry because it was stolen. And it was so stolen that I'm going to go to the insurance company and try to get them to give me money because it was super stolen. So he's just trying to get money all the time in shitty ways. Enter Margaret Barbera into his life. There's a rumor about her that he hears that she is somebody that also likes money and is willing to turn a blind eye to some shit. And he basically hires her to cook his
0: books. Like he's like, I hear you're a bookkeeper. I hear you're a bookkeeper. I heard you also subscribe to Bon Appetit magazine. You like to wink, cook, cook the books. The books.
1: <laughs> I hear your.
0: Uh, I hear they call you
1: Barishnikov. I hear you can do a little ballet, ballet with, with the, the books. books. So she's like, "Why are you talking to me?" So <laughs> she's weird. Like, I
0: just tell me yeah, he's like, I'll no no do no a legal
1: no. I, just, I need an accountant. And she's like, "Oh, fine, sure." So. He asked her to create a fake list of shit that got stolen. That's, like, one of the first things he asked her to do so that he can bring Guys, that.
0: if that's really the first thing you ask after orientation, get out.
1: Get out. Opposite. She's like, I'm in. Here's your list. <laughs> and he's like, you're hired. And she's like, but you pay me for my work. I just put together this list. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh, well, you weren't clocked in. He's like, yeah, that was on spec.
0: Now, now you get the money. So
1: Erwin's pal, Henry... Ostricher, who's an insurance agent, also wants to get rich and is also a bad guy. He comes to Irwin and is like, "I have a great idea for us." There's this firm, John P. McGuire, and they do a thing called factoring. Basically, it has to do with advancing you a percentage of your sales before they've come through, and then the company you've you've uh, sold to pays them. Mm-hmm. It's more, too boring for me to tell you any more than that. I think,
0: <laughs> but basically, fair.
1: so they have so Irwin's company it's is basically called,
0: a cash advance place. It's like, for example, if you like have a place that pays you before you get your paycheck for work, and then it pays them, so it's a way to get like your money before well, a deal goes it, through.
1: It gives them a lien on your entire inventory.
0: Yeah. yeah. Okay. So they like own you essentially because you've you now owe them and if the business doesn't work out then it's you owe them.
1: So his business, Irwin's business, is named miraculously is named Candor. Candor <laughs> <laughs> Diamonds are Candor. And Maguire is gonna factor them. So all Candor's clients will pay Maguire. It's a standard factory agreement that they come up with. So the first thing that Candor slash Irwin slash his friend Henry start doing is fabricating sales, right? And then they would do things like, because there is no company that bought from them, yeah, they would do a thing where they, they'd send McGuire the check. And McGuire would say, why are you sending us the check? And they go, oh, well, we sold all this stuff and the client forgot the deal and sent us the money. So we'll just send you the money. So they're kind of finding these ways to hide that they're not making these sales. But what you do is you pay them to build the trust, right? Yeah. Over and over again so that they'll start advancing you bigger and bigger numbers. And it's a Ponzi scheme Yeah. where you're just paying them back the money they've already given you. You don't need to have any money going into this and eventually when it explodes you'll be rich because you'll have just gotten in it you'll get oh, more and more advances w- more and more advances and you'll finally be in a position where when it folds you just you owe them millions you beat of dollars it. yeah right erwin almost gets caught a bunch of times in fact one time he does but it sort of ends up being his word against the store and the store's like i don't know this was a consignment sale not a true sale and Irwin's like, no, 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 it's the store. They keep giving Irwin money. And we're talking millions and millions of dollars. It's right. not...
0: Because Golden Diamonds ain't cheap.
1: No, it's not small potatoes. No. It's not it's,
0: fingerling potatoes. No, these oh. are full-on russets. Maybe Yukon
1: is keeping two sets of books. One that's real and one that's fake for McGuire's benefit. And... Erwin's spending like a goddamn fool. He's getting like a yacht. He's getting three Porsches. He's building fancy homes. He's spending money. He's also taking really good care of Margaret. He's -hmm. like, you want a BMW? Here's a BMW. She's like, hey, will you hire my friend Jenny? Jenny. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, okay, sure. And then she's like, hey, Jenny and I want to go to Europe. And he's like, go. So it's like she's She's getting getting, treated real well unbeknownst to her this whole time Irwin's plan for her is she's going to be the fall guy because she's the one keeping the books and he's doing things like fabricating that she bought stocks (sighs) things that later he'll be able to be like I saw this and didn't know what it meant oh I get it I was had by my bookkeeper she was stealing so she's going to be the fall guy yeah it's totally crazy how he ends up getting busted basically this is such a uh Kelkowinky Dink, mm-hmm. but there's a cocktail party and a guy that works for McGuire is there and a guy that works for Zare, which is a big jewelry company, is there, and they don't know each other. They're having like an awkward conversation, I'm sure. And the guy from Zare is like, I guess we're kind of uh doing business together, sort of, right? Now it's fun, we're like working together, and the guy's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And the guy from Zare's like, Well, not working together, but because we both work through candor. Cause you guys bought all that stuff from candor and we're factoring them. You, yeah. So we're kind of working together. And the air guy's like, what? Oh, awkward moment at a party. But then he goes home and thinks about it and is like, that was weird. weird. So they call McGuire and it just turns out that like candor had obviously fabricated a huge sale that had never taken place. So McGuire's like, what that's really weird hey candor hey erwin no hard feelings but we'd really like some auditors to look at your books you have a month to produce them to these auditors Irwin and his wife are like cool 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 they buy tickets to israel they mm. leave okay. and while they're gone a bunch of it starts to fall apart where candor customers and everyone is like they're checking on all these candor customers and all the customers are going no we don't have a deal with them we didn't buy from them so they're starting to get a sense at mcguire of the magnitude but he's and just taking this. and they're money. like this is looking really bad bad irwin comes back miraculously from israel and calls the fbi and is like hey i heard people are looking for me acts like super casual he's like i was on a business trip to israel what he was really doing in israel he and his wife was like burying money like hiding money in different uh, off you know yeah accounts hiding diamonds in different places like just hiding their shit because they know stuff's about to go down okay he says to the fbi here's what you need to know from my perspective my accountant margaret oh, stole a bunch of inventory from me before i left town and was holding it hostage for a ransom. And they're like, "Okay, we don't know whether to believe you. We do however know that when we've talked to Margaret, we get a feeling that there are lies happening, that there is withholding happening. Yeah. She's not been cooperative. Of course she's not been cooperative. She is part of this, right? Right. She's cooking the books, so she's hiding and they're like, can she's the FBI-
0: full on sauté roasting like, Can we see the books?
1: And she's and like... she's
0: like, gotta ask my boss. It can't... No. no, no, no. You need a subpoena. No, no, no.
1: Not just that, though. She doesn't trust Irwin either, obviously. So Irwin's been like, can I have the books? And she's like, not only can you not have the books, but just so you know, I have them. Like, I'm hiding them. Like, basically, she doesn't trust anybody. So she's acting yeah. like she doesn't trust anybody. She's being totally quiet. But the government's putting pressure on her and Jenny. Tell me what you know. Tell me what you know. We think this is a huge Ponzi scheme. And... Henry to Irwin is like, what should we do? And Irwin's like, I think we should scare them. Let's scare them so that they won't talk to the FBI because there's just going to be more and more pressure. Scare but Margaret like, and Jenny. Scare Margaret and Jenny. How can we scare them? Like we, do you I know, know anybody them. That would scare them? And Henry's like, oh, I got this friend, Alberto Torres. Let's talk to him. Let's ask him. He knows some some people Some that might shady be characters. Alberto, you know anybody? And Alberto's like, yeah, I know this guy Nash. Maybe he'd scare somebody. Nash is one of nine kids, IQ of eighty nine. He's never really been like in trouble in a big way with the law, but he did. No, he's not a good guy. Let me be clear. He's escalating. Like he's yeah. Let me put it this way. Yeah. One time, a gay guy hit on him, so he beat the shit out of him. He's that kind of guy. Okay.
0: So before you feel bad for him i don't feel bad for the record he killed four people at the top of the story (laughs) in terms of feeling bad for people he's not on my list i should worry about i feel more bad for margaret
1: okay fair um his stepdaughter nash's is about to have a baby and he's like i really want to help out financially i need money i've got an idea i know what i'll do I'll fake that I have a cab because it takes too long to get those licenses and you have to pay money. They're so expensive. But if I can make some money as a cab without doing that, great. I'll just clone a cab. Like I'll find a fake cab license and I'll clone it. So he does that. Second Dink of the story. You're not going to believe this. He's parked in the city and the cab that is the real cab that has that license plate sees him. And is like, that's my license plate. That's a cloned cab. Calls the cops. That is what Nash was going to go to prison for the day after he does these murders, was the cloned cab. Okay? Right. Basically, he's a guy in need of money. He's about to go to jail. His way of getting money didn't work. And this guy comes up to him and is basically like, will you, like, beat this woman up and scare her? And he's like, yeah, I will. And then Irwin's like... Oh, second thought, second thought, hear me out. Why not just kill her?
0: Second thought, second thought, stay with me, stay with me. Don't
1: move. And Let's Hen- kill her. And Fuck Henry, Henry is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What about Jenny? And he's like, Erwin's like, okay, so maybe kill them both, I guess. Or you know what? Kill them both. That would be great. Everyone's already rumors, rumors that they're together. They already went to Europe together. If they both get killed, maybe people think they ran off together with the money and she can still be the fall guy for me. So kill them both. But if you can't kill them both at the same time, Nash, definitely kill Margaret first because if we do it the other way around... Margaret's going to get wiser. Margaret's going to get wise, and she's the one I really, really need gone, okay? I'll give you $8,000 to kill them both.
0: That feels too low.
1: Nash is like perfect price. Um, I'll do Negotiate, it. He yeah. starts following them around. He can never find like a good moment to kill them. They're always um, in the apartment or there's right. people around whatever mm-hmm. it is. He's been waiting so long He's he's got all this pressure from Irwin to do it. He's like what are you doing? They're, t- they're gonna talk. They're talking. You gotta kill them. Finally he sees an opportunity but it's to kill Jenny. Jenny. But yeah. he's like well Close enough, I feel like Irwin will like that I did something. So he kills Jenny. He pulls her into that car that those kids saw him pull her into and he shoots her. The body is never recovered and he never says where she is.
0: Ugh, oh, what a coward.
1: Margaret gets freaked and is now feeling ready to talk. Nobody believes her, though, that Jenny was killed. They're not taking her seriously because when she's, she's like, been lying the whole time. Not just that, they're like, this is a white collar crime case. This isn't. The kind of people that are doing murders, this is white-collar crime. Except when they are. Margaret, this is, like, not on that level. And she's like, okay, so can I just please have some protection? Denied. Okay? But she is talking. She's going to testify before the grand jury. Irwin learns about it and is like, fuck, we got to move fast. Puts more pressure on Nash. Nash is like, ooh, my cab driver jail time's about to start. So there's a lot of pressure on him. And that is why that day when he sees her in the parking lot and it's not going according to plan, he still feels like, I've got to kill her today. In the weeks leading up to him killing her in that parking lot, he has to register. You can't just drive into that lot. You have to have have paid for like a monthly space. When he goes to pay for a monthly space, he writes down a fake license plate. And they're like, you wrote down the wrong license plate. He scratches it out and rewrites. So when they start to look for who was in the garage and they're going through a registry of who registered his stands out because it's been crossed out. And then they find out it's a van. And then they start to figure out a way to trace it back to him. Okay. And they're basically say over and over again, we can pin this murder on this car. But outside of that, we haven't totally established evidence that still pins it on Nash. Nash. Yeah. Right. But they start to follow Nash, and he's like buying camping gear. But isn't
0: he already in jail?
1: No, 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 no. He never reports. After all those murders, he does not go report. I feel it was like, like what self, I would do is... He has would... like, self-report to jail. So after he commits all those murders, he doesn't go to jail, but it doesn't get super noticed because it wasn't a really high-profile crime. So even though he's
0: wanted for it, it's not, like, deployed I feel like line. I would go to jail and be like, it was the day before I was report. I'm already going to jail for, like, a that seemed, well... That's smart guy. He
1: doesn't want to be caught. So what he does after all the murders is he's like making plans, trying to get the fuck out to go camping to go camping. Well, they start to follow him when they realize his connection to the van. And then they see him buying all this camping stuff and they're like, Oh, he's ready to flee. Meanwhile, he's been paid the 8,000 from Irwin.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Irwin gives him 5,000 more for having to kill those three people. Because he says, oh, that was, like, some extra trouble. What a headache that must have been. Here's 5,000 more. Oh, Irwin. But the FBI, it's too late. They're on to him. So they nab Nash. And there's tons of evidence. There's blood in the car. After he got that van back from whatever, Newark parking, he repainted it with spray paint. Um, They find ammo. They find all kinds of stuff.
0: (laughs) And they're, like... basically all they need to charge him. But they still haven't found out why he did it or who hired him. Yeah. But that's when you charge him and you give him, plea
1: him down so he can give you the real person. Well, Nash, what's going on is Nash is talking to Irwin and Irwin's like, I'll take care of your family for you financially. If you shut the fuck up, you're going to go to jail for this regardless. So this is what you have to gain. And Nash is like, absolutely. I won't talk. I won't cooperate. Nobody thinks it's Irwin. Because of the white-collar nature of the crime. But then the cops start looking into phone records. And they finally can link it through, like, Alberto to Henry to... You know, and they're like, wait a minute. I do think it could have been Irwin. While this is going on, there's, like, a bunch of charges being filed against Irwin that aren't murder for all this fraud stuff. And Irwin says to them I will plead guilty to all these charges if you drop the charges against my wife. He ends up getting sentenced to 28 years and fined $72,000. That is the longest term ever handed down for a white collar crime at the time. At Whoa. the time. His wife only gets 3 years and is and $35,000 fine. But so they're both going to jail for all the fraud stuff, okay? Yeah erwin is pissed that he's in jail and the person he's really pissed at is it, mcguire's trust attorney and he's like that guy's my enemy david blue and
0: he's that's on and that's on not taking responsibility for your actions yeah i don't it think, wasn't the theft it's that not david's fault this
1: yeah. happened to you erwin yeah
0: Erwin, you made some
1: bad decisions but while he's in jail, he's like, you know what? Nothing to lose. If anyone gets in my way from now on, I think I'm going to do this thing where I hire somebody to kill them. That worked so great before. So he is offering his cellmates money to kill David us, okay? And he's like, you got to make sure though that David knows it was me. So when you get him and you're about to pull the trigger, just tell him it's for me. It's like so wannabe mobsters, ridiculous. And he says to them, he has a wife and he has kids. If they get in your way and it's easier to kill everybody. No. Just do that. And I will pay you like another fee on top of it for having to kill the family. So he's
0: incentivizing killing the family. He's like, I'll give you more money if you kill the family. Yes. That's so gross. So the
1: first guy he asks to do this leaves prison and maybe would have done it, but gets, like, busted for drugs right away. They both basically turn informant. And so everyone knows he's been trying to kill David. By the time he's talking to his second cellmate about killing David, there's, like, already more people on his kill list. It's very, like... (laughs) Arya Stark. It's the girl with no name. And he's, like, at night adding names to the list. And there's just, <laughs> like,
0: people that he wants Someone to murder. Someone cut him in line at the prison's commissary. He's like, well, they're added to the yes, list. Yes, 100%. And they're
1: added to at the list. At one point, he's doing all these things to make sure his wife is comfortable in prison, like, bribing the prison so she'll have, like, an okay experience for her three years and have nice things and be, like sec- like, secluded away from the rest of the people there and all these things. But he also, while he's doing this, like quote, taking care of her, he also explores a contract on her life. He doesn't take one out, but he does explore it because he is like, she knows a lot. If she decided to turn on me, I just want to see, like, I want to make sure something maybe is in place to kill her. Like, he's really lost. What a
0: monster. He's lost it. Just
1: dipping his toe in the water of killing her. Um, Nash goes to jail for life. Okay. And the feds are like, we don't care about getting Henry at this point. We don't care about getting Alberto Torres at this point. We'll let everybody go if they just talk to us. And Alberto Torres is finally like, you know what? Okay, I'll talk. Like, he, I can't keep thinking about this at night. I don't like the part I've played in this. I'll tell you everything I know, including I'll tell you that Nash was talking to Irwin. So now they have Henry by the balls and are like, just so you know, Alberto talked. And do you want to be in trouble or do you want to talk about your friend and he gets scared and folds so two months after Nash Nash's conviction Irwin does get charged with two counts of murder and one count of conspiracy to commit murder which is this whole David thing so now Irwin's like fuck I gotta get out of here I gotta (laughs) escape prison and he meets an inmate that's planning an escape and he's like listen I have diamonds hidden everywhere I'm very rich I'll get you a lot of money Once you break out of prison, you need to help me escape. Once you're out, you can just intercept me when I'm going to the district attorney's office and you can help me get free. Deal? And the guy's like, sure. But then when that guy escapes, he does it the classic method, the like bed sheet out a window and the bed sheet tears and he dies. (gasps) Oh, dang. For some reason, Irwin does get away with the David thing. They can't totally, I'm not clear why. But oh he does get found guilty of murdering the second degree of Jenny and Margaret, and he will serve those prison terms, which are 25 to life after he serves his 28 years for fraud.
0: So he's not getting out?
1: No. No. And that's the story of, I mean, it's, the book is called The CBS Murders, kind of a strange name because I feel like it has really very uh, Margaret well Barbera do. and Irwin had nothing
0: to do with. And it's their story. And they're the main characters in our murder tale today. But maybe I bet the CBS, it's like, oh, wow, what could this be? And it was like literally such a fucking left.
1: Well, not only that, but you can imagine that what happened was Angelo called someone at work and was like, this happened the second after those men were killed, there was news people at that pier covering the scene and being like three people that work at our news station just got murdered
0: Whoa! just after
1: leaving our news station. And
0: yeah, that's a crazy story. Thank you for sharing it. That is a wild story. It's so sad that three guys were just like in the wrong fucking place at the wrong time. Yeah. That's so wrong. That's so unfair. It's so sad. Yeah, and I
1: couldn't believe this book. Like, this Erwin character is so fucking what maniacal. Little, like what a, what nasty a villain. shit bag.
0: Like yes. the whole time you're reading it, you're just like, ugh. ugh, ugh. Hate that guy. Hate him. What a monster. Like, that's the only thing I'll never understand. One, I don't understand murdering people, period. But also, like, when you're going down the, like, need and want to drag everyone down with you, like, there's something about it where you're like,
1: ugh. Like, also, that's... like, that he is in prison, can't do anything about it, and is like, go kill that attorney and yeah. his family. Yeah. And you're like, and it wouldn't have solved any problem Nothing. that he had in his life. It would just be for it his own just... pleasure and, like, vindictive. And just because he got in that headspace of, like, ugh. I'm the most important thing. I'm God. And... Ugh. I deserve all the diamonds. I
0: hate that. I hate brody, people. Brody, gross. I don't hate people, but I hate him. Such a weenie. He is a... You know what? That's exactly what it is. He's a fucking weenie. Erwin, you're a fucking weenie. weenie. Is that weird that made me hungry? No, I want to use these new chompers and eat the rest of that breakfast burrito. Go eat a weenie? Let's go eat a breakfast burrito. Uh, dear readers, thanks for
1: joining us, and buy merch, leave reviews, join Patreon not 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 do all the things because things. if you do them all we can just stop talking about yeah, it, it aren't you annoyed? in the room otherwise and it's aren't so you annoyed awkward. already about it what you guys gonna be for halloween <gasps> Halloween is in two days. Halloween's in two days, you guys. Happy Halloween. What you gonna be for Halloween? What you gonna be for Halloween? What? What you gonna be for Halloween weenie? What you gonna... Werewolf or mitzvah. Spooky, scary. Boys
0: becoming men. Men becoming wolves. Should I be the werewolf or mitzvah? Yes, that's a good one. You know what actually I was gonna be for Halloween? Hmm. A couple things. One, I was gonna be Anna from Pen15, the stage manager, and wear, like, with Allison, Mm because we do that group costume. Love it. And then also wait, we were gonna be something. Oh no, to me another friend. Um, Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Um, Kristen Wig oh fun. You know, th- those are two uh, costumes that I'm looking at. Some to- culottes and some uh, fun little um, and um, P- Vista Del Mar merchandise or something or like a floral top. That's fun. Yeah, and you could do a fun accent the whole time. I can't decide what my family should be
1: because should we do family costume or should we just you let said- Griff be a
0: hot dog. The other day, Quinn goes, I have really great news. I think, or she goes, I think Griffin will fit into the hot dog costume, literally apropos of fucking nothing. Like, (laughs) it was like, literally no one brought up Halloween. And she was like, "I have good news. I think Griffin will fit in that Halloween costume. And I was like, what? The other time is Matt had like a little bit of a fever last week. And we thought out after we recorded and it's all good. It's, he got tested. We're good. You know, we believe in testing in this family. But I was leaving at night and Quinn was like, you know, Carrie, I have really good news. I really don't think he has it. And I was like, wow, that's great news. <laughs> it's great news that you feel like you might not have it. But Thank you. You know, Quinn, you made me feel better. That's great. That is great news that you don't think he has As a dentist and a skeptic, <laughs> it was my professional determination dentist, that I did not have COVID. The best thing you're like, we were leaving. And I have great news. What's the great news? I just don't think he has it. You know what? That is good news. <laughs> I just wanted you to ask easy. I was, I didn't want you to lose. I sleep actually wasn't stressed. I really wasn't stressed because I was like, well, I mean, I'm around kids too, you know. Like, I can't. And, you know, I didn't get sick. You didn't get sick, but I do get my flu shot. All right, go get yours. Happy Halloween.
1: Happy Halloween. <laughs> you didn't think I was gonna do it for that long.
0: Bye, Dewey.